combination of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joe makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug. The rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans. Plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and still on a high after Sunday's brilliant win, I am delighted to be joined as ever by my good friend and fellow delighted Bath fan, Tom. Hello mate, yeah, best Sunday, best Sunday of the year certainly, um, but best Sunday in a long time. What a day it was. A brilliant, brilliant day. Um, a game that we were both at... Downing uh, uh, a high-flying and up-for-it Racing 92 side. We waited five years almost for a win in this competition. We've gone three from three and we're, we're up there challenging with, with Europe's elite once more. It's almost hard to believe just how far we've come in the past uh, two years. It's quite incredible. And I think it was probably the biggest announcement to the wider rugby audience that we're a serious outfit right mm. we've been seeing the improvements Bath fans have been seeing the improvements this season in in the league but yeah having Racing in town you know as you say a high flying top of the French league three times finalists plenty of world class players through their ranks having them come to the wreck and coming back to win in the way that we did there were many eyes on that game mm. and you know the premiership clubs really struggled over the weekend so to get that win in what was a brilliant game a really entertaining spectacle was just fantastic and I, yeah I still feel very proud of the boys watching it back feel very very proud of of that performance and yeah we should drink it in as Bath fans because we we deserve it after some some tough European mm. days in recent seasons and maybe if we do end up going to on another one of our, our French trips either this season or next, we can go with some expectation. Mm. It's not just a, um, a, a jolly anymore. We can go with some expectation. We are, we're a proper outfit. Yeah, it, it was two years ago at this time that we were rooted to the bottom of the Premiership table behind even Newcastle. And I think, yeah, to, to kind of look back and put into perspective where we've come from there is remarkable. And we'll kind of get into to the detail of the game. I'm, I'm really keen to. Yeah. But just bigger picture. Yeah. The the turnaround is, is, is insane. Um, and it was a kind of weird atmosphere, I felt like, at the wreck. It, it, you know, Racing went there not needing to win. The farce that is the qualification of this competition meant that they didn't even really need to win, but absolutely wanting to win. Mm. I think almost expecting to win. Mm. Their team was loaded. They are flying in the top 14. And I think it was a litmus test for Bath, but it did kind of feel almost as well like a bit of a free shot. Um, and I'm not sure there was massive expectation from me and from a lot of Bath fans that we were going to be able to turn that over. And I think when it went down to 22-8 as well in that second half, I think that feeling was kind of made... Even more so, but the way they fought and believed and came back was just great. And you're right, that's the the biggest 
maybe not the best performance of the season, but the biggest statement of the season, absolutely. And, you know, if things go our way next week, we could have a home last 16 game in the European Champions Cup. What the hell's going on? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think you could you could see by the reaction of some of the Russian players after the game yeah. how disappointed they were. Gail Ficku, as captain, which I thought was disappointing, Very walking sure, yeah. straight off into the, the changing room. I think the, the Racing tunnel that we walked through numbered about about four players. Yeah. Kind of Sia Khaleesi, fair play to him being one of them. And yeah, he stuck around for ages after with, with fans as well, which was, which was brilliant. But yeah, I, I think they came expecting to win. They came very much wanting to to push on and and not have this situation where they now have a must-win game to sneak into fourth place mm-hmm. in our pool. And the other point you touched on, which I think is completely spot on, the mad thing about all this is we didn't even play particularly well for large parts of that game. You know, our lineup didn't function all that well and, and it cost us at, at times. We lost the kicking game in the in the middle thirds of the pitch, which is such a key aspect of how we, we we play our game. We slid off quite a lot of one-on-one tackles. I think we missed 40 tackles over the course of the the game, which is much harder than we've seen you know so far this season. But some of our attacking play was absolute class. Mm. Some of the will to win was absolute class. And we stayed in touch, and then we punished at the end with three tries in the last quarter. Brilliant. The mentality's just changed, hasn't it? Yeah. The belief around the club has just changed and and yeah, Johan van Gran and the coaches that, that he has gradually over the course of the two years, initially with, with Ferreira, but the guys he's got in this season have to take a yeah. huge amount of credit for that because there is some key additions to the squad, no doubt about that. But there is also a lot of boys that have been there for yep. a period of time now and it's just the, the way in which they believe they can win is... Yeah, it's great, and I thought it was a it was a it was a great great day at the rack. Um, yeah, we were lucky enough to be there. We had, it was a really fun game, a nervy game, but a really fun game. And the way that we scored those tries in the second half, and I think the way that the players engaged with the fans mm. was was fantastic. They were just so into it at the end, and and kind of getting the fans up and and. The fans, in turn, getting them up as well. I thought it was a, a real special day. We did a Bark Rugby plug live, um, a slightly more sober version than, than episode one of that. A low bar, admittedly. <laughs> episode two, do check that out on Twitter. And I just thought we were just on such a high after mm-hmm. a, a, what was a brilliant Sunday, um, Sunday at the wreck, and, and kind of still on that high at, at this point. This is, of course, Tom, before we get into the detail of the game, the Bath Rugby plug brought to you by Black and White's Butchers. We were lucky enough to be at the wreck and sampled a hog roast from the Black and White Butchers tent on Sunday, a delicious Sunday roast that was. And if you are going to a game at the wreck, make sure you do the same. They are selling out a meat so quickly. Mm. So make sure you don't miss out. Get there before the game and get yourself one of their loaded hog roasts. They are absolutely delicious. And as we said prior to the new year, the the, um, the partnership goes on and we will also be potentially looking to do some more giveaways. So do stay tuned for the next step of the Bath Rugby Plug and Black and White Butchers partnership. 29-25 win, five points. Let's get into the detail of the game. And I think certainly need to start on, on, on six minutes um, and... Perhaps the player of the match, uh, I think potentially indisputably the, the, the player of the match for 
probably 60 minutes of it, Alfie Barbary eventually did get red carded, but should he have been red carded on six minutes for a high shot on, on Racing 92, Max Spring? I think, well, so the consensus, um, you know, we just watched back, is that it is a red card. You know, he makes contact with kind of the, the throat area, which is included in the kind of head and head and neck area. I think, and, you know, obviously my, my blue, black and white tinted spectacles on here. Red boy. Uh, my red tinted spectacles, <laughs> my rose tinted spectacles on here. I, I can understand why the referee wanted to mitigate it down to a, a yellow card. So Max Spring obviously takes the ball from the, the kick through. And as such, is kind of, he isn't falling. And that's not why it was mitigated down. But he is stationary. He's almost, he kind of almost retreating out of the tackle a little bit. So as such, it was deemed that there was lower force. Obviously, if you have two players running into each other in a tackle, mm. kind of almost like having two cars crash into each other, your closing speed is, you know, is, is much, much higher and the collision is kind of doubled, as it were. So even though Alfred Barbary is a, a big lad and there is going to be force in that, the fact that Max Spring is uh, is stationary, I think, reduces that force. And I think that was why it was, it was mitigated down. I think he's quite lucky mm. to still be on the field. However, it does seem, watching, you know, a lot of rugby as I did over the weekend, that referees are... Um, you know, have a bit of a propensity to try and downgrade where they can. And from my point of view, from the spectacle, from the brilliant game that then ensued, and who knows if he got a red, it might have been a walkover. I think that's the right way to go. So potentially a slightly lucky boy, but I can I can see why it was it was mitigated down. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to the, the the second one later. But well, no, we'll do it after this. But I, I think. Yeah, I think he's very, very lucky. And I think we were kind of in a pretty bad position in in the Thatcher's stand to, to see the screen in, in that corner. Yeah, of the they wreck. need to sort that out, actually. They do. And I, and I also feel like the referee, or I don't actually have his name, which is, which is pretty bad. I, I thought he also seemed to have a pretty bad view and he was complaining that, that the sun was kind of glaring... Um, and he he kind of couldn't really see the screen and was was saying how much help he needed from from the TMO and I do feel like in that moment he wasn't sure and I think that's why ultimately he didn't want to make that massive call at the time to to send Barbary off and I think fortunate from a bar point of view um, he stayed on the pitch because he he was brilliant throughout the game and until he eventually did get red carded yeah. for for the the um, forearm into into Roman Legaroc on, on 74 minutes. For you, Tom, was that a justifiable second yellow card and then ultimately a red card for Alfie? Yeah, I think I think that for me is 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 a yellow card. So um got the law up here. So it's nine point one one, which outlaws leading with the elbow or forearm. Mm. And I do feel for him because you know the point you were making when we were watching it back is that you know Legaroc's on him very quickly and he does kind of go to fend him off but I think it seems as if the law is quite clear that if you're going to try and hand off it's your responsibility mm. to to get a palm to the face rather than an elbow and if you lead with your forearm or elbow it seems fairly clear that it's a it's a it's a yellow card in that one yeah I wasn't I wasn't best pleased with this decision I must say he's on him Ligaric's on him so quickly he's also on him high 
the owner should there be on Legarrett to, to drop his height. Barbary, I think, is trying to hand him off. And I know intent is not involved. But I just think... I, I think two things. I think, one, if Legarrett doesn't stay down and then get up pretty quickly once the TMO intervenes, I don't think they look at it. And I think, secondly, if the roles are reversed there, and that is Legarrett on Barbary, and Barbary high-tackling Legarrett and him trying to get away from him... No way do they yellow card Legaric. And so maybe by letter of the law, but I think that is pretty nitpicky. And I think that could easily just be one of those incidents that, that they play on. I think Barbary got away with the first one, um, but I, I think he's unlucky that, uh, in the second one. I, I think both have been cited. Yeah. Um, and I think if, you know, letter of the law, he's probably going to end up with two red cards there. Um, and, and it's so disappointing for him because that's potentially going to put some of his Six Nations in doubt. Um, and I, th- I think he was having the sort of game in a, on a big stage, which, which was almost solidifying himself in that in that white England number eight shirt. Yeah. So I guess just to just to provide a bit of an update on on, on where that is. So yeah, the sighting commissioner has cited uh, both incidents, and in his beliefs, it's a guy called Tim Lowry. He believes that both incidents warranted a red card. Obviously, the second incident, although it was a red card, was just a yellow card on the field. But obviously, two yellows meaning the red. So, if he is found guilty of both, he could face up to six weeks for each. Sorry. However, for the first incident, he'll be eligible for tackle school because obviously it's part of a tackle. So that could get reduced. The other quite interesting thing that I was reading earlier is that there was a precedent last season for Thomas Ramos who received two separate suspensions for two separate incidents um, in a match against Sale and his bands were allowed to run concurrently, mm. which again is a slightly strange way of, of, of doing things, but that could mean that six weeks is the, the maximum length of band that, that, that he will face. So um, yeah, depending on how that all plays out, he will miss... The next Champions Cup game against Toulouse, we'd imagine um, the game away against Bristol, and then potentially the England matches following that against Italy, Wales, and, and Scotland. So it's a real shame for him in terms of timing because mm. he's in some phenomenal form at the moment. Mm. Sounds like Tim Lowry's looking to probably get him out of the Ireland game as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Barbary did stay on the pitch um, for the majority of it, but kind of Bath didn't really look like they turned up as a, a team in that kind of first period of, of the game Racing were, were were winning all of all of the collisions playing much better rugby than Bath and and were all rewarded by by leading 10-3 the, the man at the the center of the the second Barbary yellow card Roman Legarek was was the the first try scorer for Racing and, and frankly was was absolutely everywhere I Loved the battle between him and Ben Spencer. Ben Spencer ultimately did get man of the match. Um, I thought Legarek was was fantastic on the day, easily Racing's best player, um, and he did score and, and was just about everywhere as they kind of started to assert some dominance and, and potentially could and should have been further ahead in that first 20, 30 minutes. Hundred percent. You know, Racing were playing all the rugby. Legarek's a very impressive player. I imagine he might. Come into to that berth for Antoine Dupont when he they he got moves some players. Some they do, they do. Oh yeah, very very impressed with him. Um, and yeah, we had to soak up a lot of pressure and mm. front up defensively, which we did. I would say with 
mixed success. I mean, ultimately, half-time, we're only two points down, and Racing would have been very disappointed in that. But mm. we missed 17 tackles in that first half. And what really frustrates me is on the kick chase. You know, it's a really yeah. important part of our game. And we will too often not commit to getting to the man and then just allow the you know whoever the receiver of the ball is just to step. And Big Joe, in particular, is guilty of it. He just needs to go in, be a bit confident, and, and make those hits. So... Yeah, we didn't tackle particularly well, I would say, across the board, and that was that was concerning. One man, however, who fronted <laughs> up, and you know, it's almost unbelievable that we're we're saying this. I genuinely did not know that this was part of his game. One man who fronted up very, very well defensively, Finn Russell, mm. second top tr- tackler. Yeah, so said. fourteen tackles, only behind Charlie Yules with with eighteen. And some really impressive shots, not just passive tackles. Mm. So a big tackle on the line against the the massive Racing number eight, and and he was everywhere. Some some really important interventions going into the second half as well on Cameron Walkie, who kind of flicked away Ben Spencer, and Finn Russell absolutely nailed him. And then another shot, important shot out by the the left corner, defending our line on on Henry Arundel to to push him into touch. So yeah, I was really impressed with how he put himself about the field and. You know, he is, as Ben Spencer said in the week, actually the most relaxed player in the Premiership. But if you don't want to be there, and you, and you know you you've taken taking it a little bit relaxed and chill, shall we say, you don't put your your you know your body on the line. You don't put in shots like that. So I think that was yeah, big credit to him. To be fair, mm. certainly tackled very well. Certainly tackled very well. We we kind of grew into the game as the the second half wore on. We missed a, a guilt edge chance in, in the far corner when Sam Harris, who was briefly on for Wilmier, botched a, a two-on-one, frankly. But but we really grew into the game and started to, to play some some good rugby. Ultimately, the toy did go over. And I think that yeah. last 10 minutes of the second half, we um, put some together some some really nice moves. Uh, Joe Thock and Asiga breaking on, on a couple of occasions, just weren't able to, to find, to, to find mm. the, the clinical edge. 8-10, we trailed at half-time, which I think we probably would have taken. I think we, you, you alluded to it, but I think we missed 17 tackles in, in that yeah. first half, which is, is not good enough. Um, and I think Rassing on another day could have could have been a little bit further ahead. Again, the Garak's interception yeah. just on the stroke of half-time, we kind of came back and, and marshaled that that really, really nicely. Doc and Steger, uh, and Muir yeah. both did, did, did nicely on that. So 8-10 at half-time, I think we were pretty happy with. And I think we knew from there, which was going to be a nervy, nervy um, second half. But we came out again sleepy out of the sheds yeah. in the second half. Yeah, we really did. And I think Racing came out firing. I think Stuart Lancaster will not have been too happy with the fact that they had a two-point advantage, mm. having played all the rugby that they did in that in that first half. So yeah, missed the line out early on. Again, line out didn't function particularly well for us and then yeah just got way too narrow in defence and a, a neat little a neat little chip over to the left wing uh, you know an early try for for Racing and I think he, he nailed the conversion as well didn't he and then we were just kind of floundering a bit so yeah dropped the ball Cameron Redpath dropped the ball in midfield Cam Wockey went through and again it took, a, took Russell's tackle to kind of hold that that attack and then a new front row for Racing came on which was always going mm. to be uh, a big danger for them. Trevor Nayakano, who is the um, the tight head, you know, South African tight head, preferred 
to Thomas the Toy in that South African squad. So, you know, that is how good he is. And then Eddie Benaru, obviously a very, very experienced and an accomplished French loose head. And Legarit goes blind. Arundel scores in the corner, 22 points to eight. And at that point, it feels like Racing have potentially broken our spirit mm. a little bit. And, you know, it, potentially the... They could have they could have run away with it. A bit. Yeah, that breaks the spirit of, of a lot of teams, and yeah. that that breaks bar spirit for that of a bar team over the last seven years. No question about it. Uh-huh. A good racing team turn up, play nicely. We've kind of already qualified. The odd decision doesn't go our way. There are excuses there as to why we just kind of cave a little bit. But absolutely, that is not what what that team did and yeah I I thought the going into the game I thought the key was going to be the replacements and Mm -hmm. and the impact they had and in particular the front row replacements and I was concerned really concerned with with Nayakano and and Benaru coming on and just asserting their their kind of dominance but I thought it was actually completely the other way Stewart and and Schumann really held more than held their own Um, I thought it was probably Schumann's best 20-30 minutes in, in a Bath shirt and, and Stuart, again, you know, they won a free kick and then I think one or, or two key penalties. Yeah. And then I think the rest of the Bath bench made made a big impact. And I will I'll call out Josh Bayless. Um I thought in that in the in the those those first periods of that first that second half, excuse me, we were just a little bit lacking on energy and la- just a little bit yeah, I'd sleepy is the word. And I think Bayless came on and made a big difference to that. He's so quick and I think his energy, along with Stuke and along with Annette, I think both all three of them came on on 54 minutes um, just after that Arundel try. And I thought all three of them, with Schumann and, and Stewart, who came on later, yeah. made such a, a, a big impact. And, and yeah, it's great to see Bayliss back. He offers something a little bit different to all of our other back rows. He's so dynamic, kick-chasing, tackling, being able to... to, to, to Kind of be on the wing and support. Um, yeah, I, I was really happy to see him back, and I thought he, he actually made a, a real material impact in, in our energy and our defence uh, in that second half. Yeah, he hasn't played since the Summer Nations Cup prior to the World Cup on August the twelfth. Yeah, welcome Scotland. back. So welcome back to him. And um, I completely agree. I think the kick chase as well mm. is a real area of strength for him. I think if there's one guy in the whole squad mm. that I would back to be the man who pounces on loose, scrabbly ball. Mm. It would be Josh Bayless. Will Muir's fantastic at it as well. But Josh Bayless just finds a way to get the ball and makes it awkward. He's very athletic, he's tall, and he's quick, and he's a real he's a real danger in the air. In, in the air. So, yeah, brilliant to, to see him back. But just on the front row, completely right. I mean, they are probably not going to get the headlines. Alfie Barbary, Cameron Redpath, you know, um, Finn Russell will, and, and Spencer probably get the headlines and, and they played very well in, 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 in their own way. But the way that Will Stewart and Jerome Schoeman came on and kept that scrum square initially, painted a really good picture to the referee in whose mind he knows that these are really experienced international props coming on. He t- I, I really think he does. And even, <laughs> even, even in that first round when Naikana came on against Ben Urbano and he got done for the early shove and it's just a bit of composure, mm. keep it square, keep it tight. And when we did so, we got quick. We got you know good clean ball out to out to um, out to our backs, and then just a lovely leave of the ball left on length from mm. Finn Russell and out to 
um, out to Big Joe ultimately who who scores. And we, we started to build a platform and we started to 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 let our attacking work do, do the talking out wise. Yeah, so just before that, Barbary did crash over and the kind of life did just feed back back into the wreck. And then from there, um, you know, the fans are up and the players are up. And yeah, we started to show yeah. some, some great attacking flashes, as you mentioned. Yeah. Spencer firing the ball across Russell um, for Joe to score in the corner. And then Muir, the, the other winger, um, scoring in, in his horse corner, so it has has been dubbed the stable. Um, the stable after brilliant interplay between um, Redpath and, and Lawrence with with Russell acting a, a, as the the kind of decoy out the back and then Muir scoring in that corner. Yeah. Huge credit to to those guys and and yeah some some life in that attack when we really needed it um, and and kind of as I as I alluded to at the top the the work of. Of, of Van Graham, but then also of, of the coaches of Blaze, of Scott, and of Blackett. Blackett I think they all yeah. really came to to the fore there. Our skills are so much Way better, better than they were last season, and I, I I do think an intangible as well that that we should mention is the way that Finn Russell marshals the attack. Yeah, how crisp his passes are, and you know often they'll stand. Cam Redpath, who I thought had a very classy game and, and who distributed really well, often they'll stand him at first receiver, allow Russell to play a little bit wider and allow him to pick his runner. And we were stood behind, we were we were mm. sat behind the posts. And I think you notice that a little bit more from that angle Definitely. because you see how he how he picks gaps and how he picks runners. And yeah, he you know, he didn't have his best game and he can at times be a little bit hard to predict what he's gonna do because perhaps he doesn't even know. Yeah. But I think Cam Redpath is on a very similar wavelength to him. And I think those two combine very, very well. It's kind of almost reminiscent of the ten twelve chemistry where of, of of George Ford and Carl Eastman's. Yeah, we're not know, there yet. Ten, ten seasons ago, we're not there yet, but the signs are are good, and it's you know a combination of skills and Black has got to take credit for that, and I think just the way that we're starting to gel, picking very similar back lines a lot of the time, keeping guys fit. It's um, it's it's yeah. It's it's working working really well, and then just on, let's touch on Alfie Barbary just a little bit. So he was, he was it was a very strange kind of scrum attacking scrum. He was kind of held up or dragged over the line by Elliot Stook, and then he bounces off or kind of goes around the tackle of Sia Khaleesi and scores. And I thought that was a nice little nice little metaphor for the for for the game. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and then just <laughs> well, I just I just thought. It was nice, you know, young yeah, guy, 23, nice. breaking through onto the scene, struggle with injuries versus, you know, probably the, you know, the the biggest global superstar in rugby, Sia Khaleesi, who, you know, I thought was fairly anonymous through the game, to be perfectly honest. And I think it was just a nice moment to show, um, you know, yeah, just, just how, how much Barbary's coming on. And just the cheering up of the crowd as well. Mm. I really want to mention mm. that. You know, scrum... 10 metres out, Barbary turns around to the, the Thatcher's Terrace, the Thatcher stand. And for cricket fans, he gives it the Stuart Broad. He didn't quite switch the bales, but he gives it the Stuart Broad. And, <laughs> and that adds a bit of a 16th man, um, well, 15th man after he had his way about two minutes later. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I saw it coming. <laughs> so I thought he was, he was brilliant. And top carrier, top defenders beaten on the pitch, despite having two yellow cards. I think he... Um, yeah, I've, 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 I'm, he's quickly turning into a bit of a fan favourite, mm. and I can see why. Definitely, yeah. I think mean, there was a bit of that, as I, I think I alluded to at the top. But there, there was definitely a little bit 
of of that engagement coming back. Mm-hmm. And Stooky's Stooky's big for it. Yeah, he loves engaging well, with it, and I think Big Joe as well towards the end. Yeah, I really love to see that. Um, it's and, just fun for everyone. It's yeah. fun for the players. It's fun for it's fun for fans, and it you know it's fun for neutrals. It's we are an exciting team to watch. When did that happen? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah, we. Um, yeah, a, a, br- a brilliant, brilliant win. Well, um, and and kind of yeah, go on. Do you want to? Because we scored that try, we go. Yeah. Um, what four points up? Do you want to firstly mention the clutch? Yeah, I do. Place kicking, and then also it wasn't done at that point. It certainly wasn't Tom done at that point. It was yeah, the the, the kicking of Spencer, and it's, I'm not going to use this as a as an opportunity to to gloat. Um, because I, I'm not one to, to do that, but I was very, very happy. <laughs> For all those that know you well. <laughs> I was very, very happy. How magnanimous of you. To see Ben Spencer kicking, and I do feel um, a little bit um, justified, what's the word? I do feel... Vindicated. I do feel, exactly, I do feel a little bit vindicated. I don't often get things right, um, but I was right about Nathan Hughes, and I'm right about Ben Spencer should be kicking for, for Bath. A little bit wayward in the first half, Let's forget about that. Nailing those three kicks, um, the the three conversions, converting all three of the the second half tries was 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 just crucial because ultimately, if they're only two points behind um, at the end of the game, they can just go for points and and the Garrick would 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 nail it and 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 they would win. Um, and they weren't easy kicks, and they weren't necessarily the best strikes, particularly the one that he kind of just drilled and, and hit the post um, after the, the Thokinasiga penultimate try. But he's just the man that you want in a big game, in a big moment like that. Um, and he came to the fore, got man of the match. I, I thought he was actually the second best nine on the pitch, um, and I don't often say that about Ben Spencer. But the key moments there... Yeah, that was brilliant. Um, and yeah, I don't want to take a picture mm. of that. But, uh, but well, it was four from six, but I agree. <laughs> that, you know, he. But he, Russell he, made fourteen tackles. He, so he, we're kicked, all good. he, he kicked. He, 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 you know, he, he got it done, and he so often does. And, <laughs> and he is he is the man that you want under oh, the, in those sort of situations. And yeah, a little bit of luck from the rugby gods with that posting in. But I think we um, I think we do some, and maybe a little bit of luck with with the, yeah. the decisions that we got at the end. So, yeah, we do go 29-25 up. Barbary then receives his red card and, and Rassing spend the, the kind of last six, seven minutes camped in our half um, and, and we get two penalties, one for for an extra roll um, and then one again after the mall on, 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 which is 10 metres out for, for an obstruction. I think both are pretty lucky. Um yeah, I thought there was some pretty interesting decisions by by the ref, and I still don't have his name. Andrea, uh, let me tell you, it's Andrea Piardi. <laughs> Piardi? Piardi. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they were necessarily one way or the other, um, but I think we maybe got a little bit lucky at the yeah. end, but I don't really care. Um, and it was a, a really satisfying victory. There's so many decisions that are made. Yeah. Like, you know, we've just watched it back, and you could talk about the 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 tackle into touch in the corner for Big Joe mm. where the you know Vinaya Herbossi just comes in and absolutely smokes him in the face and all those that uh, you know follow Big Joe on social media you can see the picture of him and his head's just getting squashed um, by an enormous enormous man so um, yeah I think you know 
decisions like that, there are so many decisions made. I think we deserve the win with the way that we held on and stayed in touch and then mm. the emphatic way that we scored those three tries with two held-ups, one drag over the line and yeah. one hold-up. I think we deserve to, to to get back in front. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think that Racing will moan about that. I think they will moan about the fact... They might, but I think what they should focus on is the fact that they didn't get further ahead in that first half because they had opportunities to. Mm. And yeah, they, they definitely had the... The number three and number four best wingers on the pitch as well. Oh, it's just as ever. Certainly helps. As ever, and I, I said in the you know, and I, you know, no, I'm not one to, glo- just, I'm not one to gloat just, either. That is just place that on the tee yeah. and let him and strike I'll, it. I'll hit a stinger into the post. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I must admit, I did say on the train up that I expect, with all the noise around Henry Arundel, I mean, it's only twenty or twenty-one. With all the noise, I expect Will Muir to show him what a well-rounded. <laughs> winger is and I think he did you know I think it was a prime stallion thoroughbred of a horse against ultimately a bit of a show pony at the moment and I I'm sure three seasons at Racing will turn him into a quality player but he is not as good a winger as Big Joe I'm certainly not as good a winger as Will Muir and I think I think that was I think that was demonstrated or Rory McConaughey to be quite frank obviously that just goes without saying he didn't I just don't think he looked fit I don't know like if that's if that's the next great English winger that I know that's the first time I've watched him in in person then yeah I'm I'm not convinced he just he didn't look quick or have sort of any sort of speed of feet so yeah it it certainly wasn't his best day he should have scored in the right hand corner after two minutes, probably should have finished off the Ligarek interception. Yeah, to go around Will Muir, it just wasn't going to happen. So it just yeah. wasn't going to happen. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's he, not a time to he, bash. He, no, he is twenty or twenty-one, and I think he, he, you know, from what came out of the England camp when he was involved, apparently he is just a freakish athlete, and um, this the speed and the power that he has are just off the charts. However, as we've seen. With with a certain one of our wingers, when you are that physically talented and you're probably used to just running through schoolboys and running through age group defenses, you know, you, you have to realise that it's a different mm. level at international rugby. And Big Joe's, I think, hopefully through that and is starting to be on a an arc where he becomes into a really accomplished winger. But you have to realise that speed and and power and feet aren't enough, and mm. um, particularly when you're facing Wilmot. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be popular on on so-called rugby Twitter. We've bashed both Henry Arundel and Sia Khaleesi, who are probably two of the most popular men on, on, on that sort of platform. So, yeah, um, we should enjoy it, Tom. We should, we should, we we des- we deserve this, yeah. our fans. Um, it's been pretty pretty tough for a number of seasons, and we've got a team that are fun, that are relevant, um, and that are engaged again with the fans, um, and they're bloody well coached mm. uh, and I think it's just great to see and I think it was the Glanville um, last week and Spencer this week who, who used our trademark thick and thin in their interview maybe they're listening or, or maybe they just understand the plight of Bar fans over the past few years but it's some pretty thick times 
at the rec and, and if we were to bring back our old friend at the thicker scale where we uh, rated the, the thickness or thinness of the, the day at the rec out of 10, it was very difficult for that not to be a 9 out of 10. Had great fun um, yeah. and, and to go 15 points from a possible 15 in the Champions Cup is is extremely satisfying um, and, and kind of long, long may it continue. Yeah, just a couple of kind of Kind of wider points, if, mm. if, if maybe, before we move on. So just got to put a bow on that. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll move. I'll move. I'll move it along. I just want to make a couple of points. So, firstly, you mentioned Josh Bayliss coming back, and mm. I was kind of racking my brain and, and thinking across European and, and particularly Premiership sides and squads. The set of back row forwards <laughs> that we have available to us, or that we will have available to us when Sam Underhill and Ted Hill returns, is frightening. You know, we are in a position, we will be in a position to pick back rows of Ted Hill, Sam Underhill and Alfie, Josh Bayliss, Miles Reed, Jakob Kutsia, and then a third choice back row of, say, Ewan Richards, Chris Clurter and a Van Belter, who had a very accomplished game. Van Belter in the third choice. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't see where he gets in. And he and he he's a very, any of those, any of those can and have been stepping in to, you know, that first team, maybe with the exception of Ewan Richards, but we know he's a, he's a good player as well. So it's it's a bit frightening, you know, the the armour we have in, in that department. I think one of the best in Europe, and it's a very, very key area, I think, and it's mm. um, great that we've developed that strength. Second point, and you mentioned the word vindication. Oh, I mentioned it because you didn't know what it was, but <laughs> I, I, I'll mention it again. And you look at some of the other results in the for, for Premiership sides. You look at the results of Saris, of Tigers, and of Sale, who played and, and got well beaten by Bordeaux, and La Rochelle, and Stormers in Cape Town, respectively. Those are sides that have been rotating their squads much, much less. I looked at the Saris sides that they put out in the Premiership and all three rounds of Europe, and they've basically been going full beans at everything. Mm. Now there was some criticism. For, you know, of Bath late last year when we put out a rotated side against Leicester. And I think that those those decisions are now coming to coming home to roost. And I think you can see the freshness down the stretch into that last quarter where we scored all those tries, the fitness that we have. Mm. Um, and then you look at our injury list and you compare it to someone like Quinns who are really struggling in that department and we're keeping guys fit. So I think that, you know, we've moved on from that discussion now, but I think... You know, it's another feather in the cap of Jürgen van Graan that he's planning the season very well and, and timing our run well. Certainly, and, and with, with that in mind, it'll be fascinating yeah. to see what we do this upcoming Sunday. There's the promise, there's the aforementioned segue. <laughs> this upcoming Sunday, as we travel to to lose, um, to lose also on 15 points. Now, Bath have qualified, clearly, um, 15 from 15, easily qualified. Um and just to kind of lay the context of, of this game and and next week in general as, as we have another brilliant weekend of, of European rugby ahead of us. Top four teams that top the groups will all be ranked from... So it goes in, basically it goes into a round of 16 next um, where the first team will play the 16th team, the second team will play the 15th team, the third team will play the 14th team, and so on. Mm-hmm. The winners of those games will go into a quarterfinal, semi-final, and final. The seedings of that 1-16 to 16 is based on the following. The 
Teams that top each of the respective pools will be ranked one to four based on their points. The teams that come second will be ranked from five to eight. Mm -hmm. The teams that are ranked third, nine to 12. 12. And then the teams that come fourth will be um, 13th to 16th. And then the fifth will go into the Challenge Cup. The team that comes sixth in each group will be eliminated completely from Europe. With that in mind, it would be fantastic for Bath to be one of those top two teams, which would guarantee a home last 16 game. And obviously the higher up you get in that ladder between one and 16 determines the likelihood of you then getting a home quarterfinal and potentially a home semifinal. Um, so with that in mind, we will travel to Toulouse. Now to guarantee ourselves a home last 16, we just need to get something at Toulouse. So Quinns currently sit on 10 points. Um, they play Ulster at home. Now, if Quinns were to win that game with all five points and recoup the current 20 points that are in points difference against Bath and we were to get nothing at Toulouse, we would then drop down to third and then have a away last 16, um, last 16 fixture. I think to Quinns, the way they're playing and, and the way Ulster have looked, are a chance or a decent chance to beat them with all five points, particularly at home. Mm. And so I think Bath are probably going to need to get something. Toulouse are in a similar boat, although Toulouse will certainly be targeting this competition, having not won it in, in a few years now. Um, and they'll want to be kind of as seeded as high as possible. So with kind of all of that context in mind, Tom, what what is your plan if you're Johan Van Gran in terms of a team selection to send to Toulouse? I think a home last 16 fixture is very important for us. I, you know, you've just waggled your fingers at me in an Elliot Stoop fashion, um, i.e. cash, and it would obviously be... Um, Bunsen burn. It would obviously be good from, from for you know, for, for the coffers as well. But I was looking back at our home record and outside of the one-point loss to Leicester, the Jamie Shilcock <clears throat> late kick um, this season... The last time we lost at home was back in February last year. So we are turning the wreck into a bit of a, a fortress. And I think that is important, particularly when you look at some of the lower ranked teams in the, the tournament. So, you know, the likes of La Rochelle, Munster, the Bulls. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's difficult places for you to go if you slip into that, mm. that third place, um, you know, that, that third place area. So, you know, I, I think home... Uh, I think at home, uh, you know, home draw is very important. The other obvious point is just looking at fixtures. I mean, we've got Bristol the following Saturday, mm. the 27th, after which we've got a two-month break for the Six Nations. Mm. So I think there's plenty of opportunity to, and then, you know, there's, there's there, you know, there's, there's good reason to put a good side out. So I would be, with the quality that we know Toulouse have, and we can come on and talk about Toulouse, with the quality that they have, I'd be putting out, pretty much a full side mm. to, to go to Toulouse. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think with the, with what we've got to come, yeah, that's spot on. Um, and I, I get the impression that, it, and this was what frustrated me about what we did against Leicester, but I do get the impression that it's almost already been decided. Um, and I think, I hope, I we're not going, but I know a lot of people are going, and I just hope for their sake that we go for this. Um, and that we do put out a, a, a really good side um, and that we get try and get something and do get something from, from that game. Um, as, as we kind of move on to talk about yeah. to lose, 
I mean, they do look the pick of the sides. <laughs> we both watched their game against Ulster on Saturday night. Um, and it did feel like whenever um, either Antoine Dupont or Peter um, Mavaka Malvaka. Malvaka, yeah. the hooker, got the ball, they were scoring. Um, you know, they feel like they can score from anywhere. They've, they've got tons of experience at international and, and European level. Uh, this is undoubtedly the hardest test we've had in this competition. Um, but I think one that will be relishing. It does feel a little bit like a bit of a free shot. And if we do go with, with this full side, is there a chance we get something from, from the trip? I think so. I, <clears throat> I, I do think... And we're very high on Bath right now, but I do think it is a step too far to expect us to to win the game. You know, <laughs> to lose our, I mean, obviously European royalty, five stars, you know, above the badge, first team to win it. They're the top dogs of Europe. But yeah, just just watching that game, they're just frighteningly physical. I mean, I would say the most physical side in Europe. The the front rowers of Bai, Malvaka, Aldegheri, with guys like Julian Marchand, Nepo Laulala, the, the All Black coming off the bench. They are just ridiculous. Manny Mayafu, the 140-kilo, 25-year-old second row, who I just think is outstanding, and the engine on him against Ulster was was brilliant. You know, these, we don't really see beasts like that um, in the southwest, and I think it, it would be very, very challenging to turn them over in the form that they're in so but but I do completely agree that you know well I made the point myself but I, I think putting yeah. out a good side not only sends a message not only gives us the best possible chance of home last 16 action in the spring but gives us a good chance of of getting a point you know Ulster mm-hmm. or, or two Ulster still managed to score 24 points against Toulouse um, they eased off a bit in that second half and I expect it to be a, a much tighter encounter than that but yeah I see no reason not to put our, our best foot forward I do however think that the the, the class that they you know the the, the the specimens that they got up front and then Dupont if he plays Ramos mm. uh, you know it, it's, it's a ridiculous side that they have yeah it will be interesting to see what, what happens with Antoine Dupont, he is on the verge of joining up with the, the French Sevens team for ahead of the, the Olympics in France. I'm not entirely sure as to when that's going to be, um, mm-hmm. but it's certainly close. Yeah. I, I get the impression that he'll probably play this week uh, and then that might be it because he's obviously not going to be around for France. For, for the Six Nations, yeah, just looking quickly at, at the way the bookies see it, and they're not giving us a hope in France taking seven points, 17 points to lose in, in, in the spread. Um, I see it slightly closer than that, um, but I, this is this is a huge, huge, huge challenge. Huge task, and we'll, yeah. We'll be kind of definitely um, scoreboard watching through throughout the weekend. The, the Ulster Quinns game is at one o'clock on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Bath aren't playing until 3.15 on Sunday. So we'll definitely know what we need if we're going to secure ourselves a um, home game in the last 16, which would be massive for the club. Yeah. You know, I did give you the, the David Brent Bunsen burner sign, but also for, for the kind of recognition of the progress they've made, that would be be huge. It really would. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this, G. And mm, I mean, I'm very unlikely... 
that nothing changes in the current seeding. But as things stand, if we were heading into the last 16 tomorrow, any idea who we would be up against at the wreck? Saracens. Munster. Bath <laughs> in fifth, Munster in twelfth. The JVG bowl at the wreck it would be. So who knows if, if I imagine oh, things will move nice. on, but what a prospect that would be. Exciting times, Tom, to be a Bath fan. Kind of wish they weren't doing so well in the red. Um, wish it was in some more traditional colours. But what a weekend. What a weekend we've got ahead of us. We'll be basking in plenty of European rugby before watching Bath hopefully put out a strong side and hopefully give a great account of themselves at Toulouse. If you are going, have a great weekend. We had a brilliant one when we went out there a, a few years ago to watch a, a way less competitive Bath side in, in Toulouse. It is a brilliant rugby city. So if you are going, I'm extremely, extremely jealous um, and make sure you, you, you have a great, great time. If you're not going, sit back, relax, enjoy the rugby. And as Ben Spencer said, stick behind the boys.